the VO Meter, measuring your voiceover progress. Whether you're a veteran voice actor, just starting out, or don't even know how to set a level, we're here to help you avoid the pitfalls along your voiceover path to success. The VO Meter is brought to you by Voice Actor Websites, Voice123, Studio Bricks, Global Voice Acting Academy, JMC Demos, and Sennheiser. The Video Meter is produced in part using Source Connect, made by source-elements.com. And now, your hosts, Paul Stefano and Sean Daly. Hi, everybody. Welcome to episode 87 of the Video Meter. Measuring your voiceover progress. Our guest today is Queen Noveen Crumbie. We've got lots of things to talk about. Paul and I have been very busy recently, so let's jump into it, shall we? Before we do that, once again, I want to mention our discount that's available to any new membership plan at Voice123. If you'd like to take advantage of this, just go to our website, vometer.com, click on our sponsors page, and then click on the big banner for Voice123 that says click here to save 15%. Again, this has to be a new plan, but if you're not currently a member and you're looking for a discount, the VOMeter can help you out. Thanks so much, V123, for your sponsorship. VoiceOver Extra brings you the VO Meter reference levels. Uh, seriously, guys, that's the best you could come up with? Hey, it's your show. So, what's been happening in your VO world, Sean? Well, lots of stuff. Um, I'm still in the process of moving into a new house, so, um, but it's making quite big inroads, so, like... Uh, my brother's family, I was helping them move out. We've almost got all of their stuff out. I'm getting all of my stuff in now. And uh, and hopefully next week I'll be able to start working on the studio room in earnest. I've already got like a temporary setup in there now with a with a tri-booth. And since it was essentially just an empty room, I threw on an Automute blanket and, uh, to tighten things up a bit. And it worked. But anyways, we'll talk more about that during QGPs. So other than that, I've just been auditioning, did a few e-learning projects this week. And I also got to help moderate our voiceover after dark uh, romance and erotica audio workshop for Global Voice Academy with uh, with Diana Conley. So she was great. She was incredibly well prepared. She's a great speaker. She comes from education like I do. And um, the participants loved it. It was, it was just so many questions that uh, were answered and people had nothing but good things to say about it. So I felt really pumped about that. It was nice. Awesome. Uh, Diana is a good friend. I met her maybe five years ago now, maybe six years ago now at Bio Atlanta, and we've stayed in touch ever since. We've actually done a bunch of duet auditions together. Haven't landed one yet, but hopefully someday. I mean, we were joking earlier, you should have been a moderator. Because, I mean, I remember early on, like, this was a, a genre that you did a lot of. I did. I haven't recently, so to be fair, I'm a bit out of, t- out of touch. So Diana by herself is probably a better choice. Gotcha, gotcha. All right, well, maybe next time we'll get your your input. <laughs> yeah, as long as we're talking about resumes. You know, I was set to be the speaker on that topic at VO Camp that Liz Atherton was putting together. Before oh, I got, yes! It was going to be myself and Melissa Moran, and that one was called The Moist Read. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. Which I thought oh was great. God. But unfortunately, the whole thing got blown up because of COVID. It was scheduled for, like, May of 2020. We all know what, what happened there. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, it's, yeah, it's really unfortunate. It would have been amazing, if for no other reason, seeing, like, Tom Kane, freaking Yoda and Gandalf and Doctor Doom. Amazing yeah, exactly. Work. But anyways, just, like, I love that you and Melissa have such similar senses of humor and maturity levels. Yeah, they would have been perfect. Anyway, <laughs> so moist. Can never eat cake again. <laughs> <laughs> um, so what's going on in your VO world, Paul? Well, I started out with high hopes for this episode. Um, we were going to record it last week, maybe even two weeks ago, and we've, we've had a postpone. Yeah, I was about to say two or three weeks ago. <laughs> it's been a long time. So we've had a postpone several times, and I was going to go in the direction of all this happy-go-lucky stuff because I had a couple of nice sessions and some good experiences. But then this week has been a nightmare, so I'm all full of piss and vinegar again. Combination of Uh-oh. Car, well, trouble we'll and car trouble and roid rage and a bunch of other things going on. Uh, just to clarify, I'm on prednisone, so not not roids to build myself up, but because of some of my gastrointestinal issues, I'm back on prednisone currently. So there definitely is something to roid rage, but I digress. So to talk about some of the things that, that are cool that are going on, uh, I had a session last week where it was a, a tool company ad internationally in Spain, of all places, and I just want to talk about the experience because it's something 
that sort of gave me a new window into my experience level and how things have been going. So I get on this session and they want me to watch the video and sort of follow the action that's going along. Not prepared for this at all, mostly because the, the time difference and going back and forth over email. Uh, so we get on and they say, okay, well, here's the video. And can you just like improv some of this stuff as you, as you watch it? And I said, sure, I can do that, I think. I mean, not knowing at all if it would work out because I haven't done a lot of improv. We talked about how I don't really come from an acting background. I've taken a ton of acting classes since I've done voiceover, but I don't really come from that background. So it's always sort of in the back of my mind that I don't know if I can do this. So we get on there and I just start commenting on the action. And it was basically a bunch of scenes of people screwing stuff up in their house with, their, with tools because they don't know what they're doing. And this tool company is going to help you solve all those problems that you just messed up. So I'm just throwing out things as they're happening. And they actually loved it and were really impressed with some of the things they came up with. And then they even played a, a, a first cut of it at the end after we were all done. They like quickly slapped it together because the engineer is a pro and played it with a video. And I was like, hey, that's, that's not bad. <laughs> I actually kind of enjoyed that's that. That's awesome. Well, so. I'm surprised that you you were kind of uh, worried about that. I mean, like between the podcast and your journalism background, like you're a good extemporaneous speaker. It's not like you. I mean, you can think on your feet, uh, and you're a funny guy. So it's like all of that really feeds into kind of the the mindset of of an ad libber and improver, in my opinion. Yeah, I guess it does. And then I think a lot of the live announcing I've been doing recently has helped with that too, especially. Some oh, of the, sure. Some of the pro leagues I've done have encouraged or even required me to do ad-libs at the stadium or the arena, and that helps a lot, too, because I have to think on my feet during those. Man, that's great. Next year at the Academy Awards, Paul Stefano. <laughs> yeah, maybe. No, we'll see if this, one, if this one actually ever sees the light of day. If it does, then maybe I'll submit it for an award, because I really do like the way it turned out. I, I was impressed with myself, if I can say that without sounding like a complete tool. Get it, tool. Oh, that's great. That's great. I was actually working with uh, one of our GVA members today. Um, unfortunately, our, our we, we were going to have a character workout with MJ Lalo, but she's in Florida, which is kind oh, of boy. having a little hurricane right now. So uh, I had to step in for that. And and I hope you're if you're listening, MJ, stay safe, please. But anyways, we were talking. She had just done her first like not only paid gig but her first directed session so i was very happy for her but she was telling me she's like i don't know if i'm happy with it if i should promote it it seemed the way they directed me i was it was different than what i envisioned i was like hey first off that happens all the time we don't have final say in what audio is chosen and while what we do as actors is important and crucial in many ways again we don't always get final input so uh or we rarely do to be honest but but anyways she showed me it and I was just like, you did an amazing job. Like I was like, why were you, I mean, actors tend to be hypercritical and perfectionistic in the best of times, but I was just like, there's nothing to be ashamed of here. You should promote this, like put it on the resume. A lot of talent can be really nervous about directed sessions, but I freaking love them to be honest, because I get to just act right. And, and if they have an engineer, like the one you mentioned even better, right. It like, it kind of, it, it harkens back to the golden age of when we actually got to just have separate roles, you know, sorry, hit the mic cable, but we got to have separate roles of acting, directing, audio engineering. And I feel like the, the finished product is so much better for it. Yeah. And to just piggyback on that, I had another directed session yesterday. What day is it? I'm losing all track of time. I think it was. They're all blending together. Yeah. Maybe two days time. ago. <laughs> so this was for a local client where, a referral. Uh, I was referred to this company from a friend in a networking group. Thank you, Zephan Blacksburg, if you're listening. He referred me to this client, and they sent me a script, and I recorded a couple of lines because it really wasn't that long. It was a couple, 160, well, a full set of videos, actually, that are airing on local TV. A 60, a 30, a 15, and a 7. And But they weren't that complicated. They were just a general sort of, here's the company, here's what it's about. So I recorded them all and sent them off. And they said, we want it to be more casual like our video spokesperson. So they sent me the videos that they had done because they were doing some videos too. And I also know the, the video spokesperson, another local guy. And they said, we want it to sound like Ron. So I listened to it and I see Ron on camera and I, and I hear, hi, our Medicare Advantage plan can help you do this. And I said, that doesn't sound conversational at all to me. So mm -hmm. I, I suggested getting on a live session actually, even though this particular group of, of people in this company don't really have any experience doing that. The video producer does. So I suggested doing the live session because it generally saves time. 
And that's exactly what happened. We got on, and the two execs from the company were, were watching on Zoom, as was the video producer. And I kind of had to run the session because no one really had any experience doing a voiceover session. So I was suggesting oh, what takes to do, how to make adjustments. And they were just kind of sitting back going, yeah, okay, well, well, that was better. Okay, yeah, we like that one too. Let's do one more. Uh, okay, sure, fine. The whole thing was a half an hour. So we saved so much time by not going back and forth through email and trying to understand all the nuances of what they were trying to say or not say in this case through email. Once we got a live session, we get sign off and I can send the invoice off. So that that's another reason to sometimes suggest a live session because it makes most people's lives easier. And you get, if you're recording, you get buy-in from the from the the buyer or the company you're working with right away. You don't have to get a contract signed. You don't have to get any any other sign-offs from anybody. You've got them there as a captive audience, and they're saying yes or no. Exactly. Yeah, it saves so much time. It takes out all the guesswork. And it's funny that you mentioned that thing where they were kind of looking to you as the expert uh, on the, the VO production or, or the session and stuff like that. This talent that I worked with before mentioned the exact same thing because they were like, I'm so used to working with you guys and you know all the industry lingo and all that stuff. And now I'm the expert. I was like, yep. I mean, people come into production and through all stages of life, just like us as actors. And so very often... You'll be working with people who look to you to like, how do we do this? Wave, MP3, what? You know, so <laughs> um, like I was saying before, like our role as an actor is very important. And depending on who we work with, we might be far more involved with the, the creative process than just sound and purdy. Yeah. You have to be careful, though, depending on your experience, you it may not be a good fit for you. You may not have those skills. And you That's do, true. you do, That's I true. do, because of our experience and the other roles we play and the hats we wear, like doing this podcast. I cast people. I do direct sessions for other people sometimes, actually quite a bit. So those experiences inform how much you can or maybe shouldn't do that job on a live session. Well, that's good. I mean, that goes into like throughout your career, you should always be paying attention to what your strengths and weaknesses are, right? Like ideally, your strengths are exceptional and your weaknesses are competitive. And if they're not, then you have to either train up or delegate to people who can help fill those performance gaps for you. But like Paul was saying, don't don't promise something that you can't deliver, right? It's better to say no. You'll actually be saving people a lot. They might be disappointed, but like it, it's it's better to under-promise and over-deliver than the opposite. And actually, this kind of dovetails but like back to the, uh, the VO After Dark presentation we were talking about the other day. For a lot of people who are attending, they had never done an audiobook before, let alone romance or erotica. And so they were new to that process. And... So we are explaining that like 50 to 60% of the work is just research in preparing the book, mm. right? Like understanding all the characters, making reference tracks, making sure that you can pronounce locations or other difficult language, things like that. Looking ahead um, for potential then, accent changes. Yes, there's, yes, There's nothing exactly. worse when you get to the end of a book and find out a character had amnesia and they were supposed to be speaking with a Southern accent the entire time. <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> And that was something that we talked about. And it's just like, uh, I even worked with another talent who was just like, do I have to research all these? Things? I was like, yes, you need to know this. Or or like, or be like Scott Brick and hire someone to research and proof and prep your books for you, you know? But but again, it's it's just part of the process. It's part of your responsibilities. And I was saying that the more organized you are up front in your preparation, the more efficient the rest of the process is going to be. Yeah, I, I would tend to agree. So anyway, that was the couple awesome. of live sessions, in addition to one more today. So for, for some reason this week, I've had three live sessions, which almost never happens. But that was fun, too. Quick uh, internal training video that I knocked out about an hour ago. And uh, other than that, still a ton of live announcing. I'm, I'm still working for four different schools, potentially a fifth that contacted me last week, if I can find some time. And I'm just bouncing from school to school. Last week, from Thursday, Friday, and Saturday, I was at three different universities doing three different sports and uh and knocking them all out did pr did pretty well i didn't really notice any sort of issues yeah as long as i warm up and cool down my voice seemed to hold up and i was able to get through them all so still having a lot of fun with that and i'd love to add more especially any pro leagues so i've done a, i've done pro lacrosse but if anyone's listening was a contact with mlb nhl nfl <laughs> any of those 
uh, I'd love to hear about it and maybe get my foot in the door with a pro league. Excellent. Well, I think if you keep doing what you're doing, it'll happen eventually. Yeah, we'll see. So that wraps up our BO meter reference levels. It's time now for... Questionable Gear Purchase. So, Sean, I understand you've made some changes recently. What's going on? Oh, God. So <laughs> many. Like, I, I did it again, guys. Like, you know... You know me. If it, it, maybe I just need to like buy little things throughout the year, just just so I don't have this like buildup of like sexual gear tension. I guess you could call it. <laughs> it is kind of what it feels like. Isn't because it? I certainly blew my wad last week. Um, anyways, uh, yeah, so many things. Like, I mean, I got really excited about the fact that I have a large room to dedicate to my studio. It's like a nice eight by twelve room. And and so first things first, I wanted to because because I'm going to bring my little my blanket booth, but I'm going to make some changes like right now. It's it's just like a PVC frame um, and it's got like a, a vocal booth to go uh, kind of prefab uh, blanket construct over it. And then it's got an internal layer of Automute uh, acoustic sheets. And it sounds great, but it's really tight in here now so i was like wait a minute what if i put automute sheets on the walls around the booth and then i can just have like uh, a little bit more space without the additional internal layers so that's what i'm doing i'm going to be removing the internal sheets and actually kind of replacing it with these uh these half sheets that are only like four feet deep they'll basically just cover the upper half of the booth and they'll be a light color so it can reflect more light in here which is nice and one of them is actually a green screen panel so if i'm going to have that behind me and then i can have a nice background or things like that that'll be useful um Definitely, especially definitely. for like on-camera um, auditions. And, yeah, that 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 was my thinking. So so for that, and I'm also trying to do a lot more educational content for GVAA and my own um, my my own desires. <laughs> you know me; I can't help teaching people how to do stuff. But anyways, uh, and so kind of going along with that, I've been wanting to um, like you guys know I'm a big fan of tablets. Uh, I one of my first recording devices was an iPad Air, like several years ago had that love that used it for my teaching used it for vo as as a script reader as i would actually record to it because in super hot and humid nagasaki my laptop would go turn into a rocket very quickly so once i figured out how to connect an interface to it like either like a steinberg or an audient or sentrance or any of the very, like almost all of them are compatible these days. But uh, anyways, so I would connect that and they use Twisted Wave, send it to Dropbox and then edit on my computer when I was done recording. So big fan of that. Couple years ago, I got the new iPad Air when it came out because uh, it was compatible with the, the good Apple Pencil, the second gen and the magic keyboard case. Let's see, uh, like I have a lot of wrist problems like carpal tunnel and stuff like that from some old injuries. So uh, I prefer typing if I can help than, than like interacting on a phone, for example. But anyways, so I used that for a while and it was great. It looks nice and, and I recommend it for a lot of people. But there were things that I had heard about the pro models that I really wanted, like the better cameras. It's got an actual flash on the camera system. And it's got better speakers and, and stuff like that for consuming content. So basically, I wanted to up my game for, for content creation and consumption. So you can guess where I'm going. I got an iPad Pro. Oh. <laughs> like, so, and I will say this is a luxury item for the majority of people. But as someone who likes to make videos and take videos with their iPad, I know it's super rare. Like, I'm not at a concert holding this up or anything. I just have a stationary stand and make videos from it. But it's nice having a large screen where I can monitor myself. And there's also a lot of apps that allow you to have, uh, like, teleprompting apps. So uh, if I write a script, I don't have to remember everything. And I have a nice camera where I can monitor myself and make sure I'm satisfied with how everything looks. And now, with some recent updates to Apple's operating system... You can actually plug in a tablet or an iPhone and use that as an external camera, like a webcam, right? And we all know those cameras are far better than than any like 
what, what's available right now, even the 4K webcams. So as someone who's not a big fan of unitaskers, I really like having devices that can kind of use in lieu of that. And actually, if you're not on the Apple platform or if you don't want to update to Monterey, the most current OS, you can use software like Camo, C-A-M-O, where it's free software where it does the same thing for programs like Zoom or web conferencing apps. You can plug in your phone or, or tablet or device with a camera and then select that as your as your camera device. So there are options if you don't want to go to the current operating system and they work fairly seamlessly. So yeah, don't spend a couple hundred dollars on a webcam if you got a phone with a better camera. Believe it or not, I agree with you on the iPad Pro. I, I use one as well, only for being in the booth uh, because it's easier to read scripts. I was it's, like, wait, when did you get one? <laughs> I, have, I have an older one. You know, I always go a couple generations back. I have the seventh generation. I have no idea how old that is. But uh, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. I use it mostly because of the, the stylus support. I use the Logitech Crayon, which is a great alternative to the pencil if you want to save a few bucks, and it works just as well. Mm -hmm. It charges with the lightning connector. If you still have a lightning connector, I know it's USB-C now on the new ones, right? Mm-hmm. Okay, so this has right, a lightning Actually, this connector. one's Thunderbolt. Oh, it is? Okay. But anyway, it does all mm -hmm. the same functions. But I, I did have a bunch of other tablets in here, Windows, uh, Android, uh, and I did find that the Apple just excels at the tablet. So I went and broke down and mm -hmm. bought an iPad Pro so I could use it for script reading only. And then I use it for, like we talked about, prepping a book, too. So with the pencil, you can make highlights and select text, and that helps a lot for prepping audiobooks. And actually, I mean, one of the reasons I, I, I didn't mention this earlier, but like the Tribooth kind of inspired me to go this route, too, because, I mean, it's got like room for a little uh, music stand in the back of it. But it's like I can't have my computer in there like I have my kind of dual setup for my more permanent booth. So that was really I was kind of just reading off my phone. <laughs> so I was like, ah, it'd be way more comfortable if I had a larger screen. And, and like I said, I, as a teacher, I use this for a lot of my uh, creating educational stuff as well. Uh, but for anyone looking for an iPad, um, there's a great video by Ali Abdal. That's A-L-I-A-B-D-A-A-L. He's a former med student and doctor turned YouTuber, namely about product reviews and productivity. But he's got this great video about what iPad to get in 2022. Hmm. And he's like... You can get like 80, 85% of the iPad experience with the budget iPad, which is about $300. And then everything else is kind of like incremental above that. Like the iPad Air is like another 5%. The iPad Mini is another 5%. And then the, uh, the Pro is like the last 3% of the experience, right? But again, these are luxury items. If you have a, a, a computer and a phone, you may not need an iPad. But a lot of talent like using them because they make great script readers, especially audiobook narrators, for how easy it is to mark up text. Um, let's see. And then lastly, you're talking about saving money by going with previous models. That's what I did. I went with the one from 2021 because it's... I mean, it was the previous model. I, I'm pretty sure they're going to release an update in a couple of days, if not weeks, for their October event. But it's got the M1 chip in it. And, like, honestly, more power is something the iPad does not need because the software already doesn't take advantage of that power, right? Like, you could easily run professional apps like Adobe Audition or Final Cut Pro on an iPad if Apple allowed it to handle it, right? Mm -hmm. But they probably don't want to do that because then it like who wants a MacBook then, right? So, anyways, maybe their thinking will change on that. But but going used, going refurbished. Let's see. I got my iPad for let's see. I, I basically saved like seven hundred dollars because it came with the tablet, a pencil, and a case, which would have been like. Like fifteen hundred dollars for all that stuff, and I got it for about eight hundred. So, like on eBay, and everything works fine. So, do your research, get from buy from reputable sellers, and you can save a lot. So, anything else you want to talk about, or shall I uh, spill my beans? Go for it. Go. It's like this is enough. I don't. I don't even want to know. <laughs> like, and that doesn't even involve all the moving expenses of oh, cleaning yeah. and all that stuff. Oh man. 
Well, first of all, I got rid of my Nissan Versa. So fans of the show who were hoping oh, for the, right. the Versa Madness show, it's not going to happen. I apologize. It's a mm-hmm. personal note, but you know, sometimes a little window into the into our personal lives is is warranted. So I picked up a used car, and it's actually having some problems, which is why I was a little stressed out in the beginning. But I have no doubt we'll get it fixed, and it'll be good to go in a couple of days. We'll, we'll see what happens. I'll let you know on the, on the next episode. It's funny that you're talking about Nissan, because we have the same car, and they just sent me one of those kind of like, if you come to our weekend event, we will make sure you walk away with a new car for less than your old one. <laughs> and I'm just like... Yeah, no. <laughs> I was like, first off, I love my car. There's nothing really wrong with it. And like you said, like, I don't know, it, it's just a racket. Like, you know, they're probably going to take your car, sell it for more than what like, they gave you, and then leave you with a machine you're probably not happy with. Yeah, that's kind of what I fell into as well. Although I did sell it independently, I sold it to Carvana, which is the online car retailer. And the price was much more than I was expecting, which is why I caved and got rid of it. So mine was now, it was a 2015, so it was eight years old, no, bad math, seven years old, and <laughs> had almost 90,000 miles I'd put on it. And I really had gotten it because I was commuting to my old job, which was about 50 miles away. And I wanted something small, economical, that, that I needed for just me in the car. And that's changed because I never go anywhere anymore. And when I do, I have all the kids with me. So I needed something a little bit bigger. And that's why I ultimately caved. I think I'll be okay. But I totally hear what you're saying. Yeah, it's difficult. I mean, uh, my buddy David Toback was was trying to get a car uh, over last year, and he was just like endlessly bemoaning the process. <laughs> yeah, it's definitely not for the faint of heart. But anyway, on He's to happier the buyer's topics. Markets right now. Yeah. But anyway, on anyway, on to happier topics. I didn't buy any. Uh, what, what is it we do? Voiceover gear. But I was given some by Focusrite. So we talked about this a couple of weeks ago. They sent me the full Vocaster 2 kit, which includes the headphones, which I'm now wearing, and a microphone, which is a large diaphragm dynamic. It's called the DMV, DM14V. And I'm talking about it right now, actually. I've been using it for the whole show. So if you notice a difference in my sound, that's why. Really? That sounds nice. Like, <laughs> Yeah, it's pretty good, isn't it? So... It looks a lot like the SM7B. It's got that Y or U-shaped yoke that lets it hang down from a thread on a mic stand, and then uh, the wire goes in the back. And it's got this big foam windscreen and a big sort of uh, bell casing where the capsule fits in. Again, a lot like the SM7B. And I like it. It's, it's, it's got a nice tone to it. You do have to get right up on it, so it's like right in front of my face, like you would imagine for a radio mic, like an RE20 or an SM7B. But when you do that, it sounds pretty good. So I've used it for the whole show. I, I wouldn't, I didn't want to tell anybody. I wanted to keep it a secret in case anybody noticed. And uh, mm-hmm. yeah, so I thought maybe I'd just quickly play with some of the features on the Vocaster 2, some of that auto gain stuff and the enhancers with their mic design for it, and we'll just give it a, a quick listen. So this is, I have it up at about. Mm, there's no numbers on this meter, but maybe like 85%. So we hit the auto. It's super duper quiet. Auto mute worked, but now you're ducked like 40 dB. Like, <laughs> Okay, so there we go. So it actually has to go through a process, which you probably didn't hear. You maybe, you maybe heard me in the background. So it brings down the gain a little bit, and uh, I don't like that. So I'm going to pot up a little bit more. This is where I was before, I think, about. All right, so then it had, I think I mentioned, oh, it's too hot, isn't it? There we go. That's about where I was before. So I mentioned, that I think, the last episode, the Vocaster also has these... Uh, enhancers. So I'm going to hit the enhance and put it on clean. So this is what it sounds like under the clean setting. And I guess that's supposed to be with no processing, but I don't understand how it's different from raw. I do actually hear a little bit of sheen to it in my headphones. Do you hear anything different? Mm, maybe a little bit more presence. Okay. So let's go to bright. This will probably be horrible on my voice. So this is the bright setting and I would imagine it would sort of heighten some of the high frequencies and take out some more mud in the, the lower level. Does that sound any different to you? Yeah, it's hurting my head. <laughs> <laughs> I have a feeling on a voice like mine where it's really where it's really um, dark would probably be horrible. So let's go to warm. It's, well, it sounds thin and strident. Like, okay. You know, um... So now this is the warm setting, which might also sound bad on my voice because it's already pretty dark and warm. But the warm setting, I would guess, makes it a little bit more boomy and maybe brings out some of those lower frequencies. Any difference in your ears? Well, at first glance, it sounds pleasant, but then like, you do notice a little lack of articulation oh, okay. uh, or loss of articulation. So That could be good um, in some circumstances, though. Yeah, it's not terrible. Uh, it's certainly better than the bright on you. Yeah. Okay, and here we go with the radio. 
All right, everybody. Now we're on radio. <laughs> and this is what it does to your voice. No, that's, that's actually just me being a good Tonight on VO Meter, Paul tries all sorts of crazy settings. And here we go. Yeah, so this is the this is the radio setting. And I don't hear any difference in my headphones, but I think if I played back, it would sound a little bit different. Maybe a little more punched up, a little more present. I was going to say, like, t- touch of compression. Yeah, that's probably what it is. Um, all right, so let's go back to raw. And this is raw with how we started on the show. And back to nothing, no processing, just raw and about 85% of the gain on the on the mic. Nice. Interesting. Um, so I like, like this going, thing. Going right from radio to raw, I'm like, oh, I kind of missed the radio sound. Like, <laughs> you um, back. I, I can bring it back <laughs> artificially. Oh, please do. Let's just talk like this for the next 20 minutes. Ladies and gentlemen, the Ramones coming at you. It's Rockaway Beach. <laughs> It'll be but goody. Okay. <laughs> That's awesome. So that's uh, that's putting the, the mic through the paces. I think last time I was doing a, an audio unboxing, which is probably the dullest thing ever for our listeners. <laughs> <laughs> Very ASMR. Yeah, I did promise I'd hook it up and you can hear what it sounds like. So I've been using this thing for a couple of weeks just at my desk when I'm doing Zoom calls or live directing. I don't need to be in the booth. Right now it's obviously in the studio bricks. That makes a big difference. This is, thing's not going to be a miracle worker in a, in a bad space. But in, a, in this booth, mm. it sounds pretty good to me. No, I, I think for... The, like the market they're going for between voice talent and podcasters and stuff like this, it's a really full-featured, affordable interface in in the two to three hundred dollar range. So yeah, I, I was I was expecting you to use the vocaster, but uh, I forgot about the rest of the kit, and I am very su- pleasantly surprised by that dynamic. Yeah, and I, I love the headphones too. I think I mentioned I I love the original Scarlet Studio headphones. I used those, so they basically were falling apart. And now these new ones are fantastic too. Let me see if I can find out what they're called. I forget. Do they have a name? HP60V. The headphones are HP60V. So the whole kit is the DM14V microphone, the HP60V mm-hmm. headphones, the Vocaster 2 interface. And I'm really impressed. Thanks, Focusrite, for, for sending this because I'm using it every day now. Why not? It's it's almost idiot-proof, which is good for me. And, and I love the way it sounds. Awesome. So, funny story. Um, Focusrite was kind enough to send us a second unit, so I get to try it out as well. So if you guys want more content of us using the Vocaster 2, be happy to do that. I, I'm really excited because I have a couple of mobile interfaces that I prefer to keep in my backpack and stuff like that for travel. So it'd be nice to have one, like, to just hang out in the studio so that'd be great. Thank you, Paul, and thank you, Focusrite. So that wraps up questionable gear purchases. Thank God, says my wallet. We'll be talking with Queen Naveen in just a moment, right after these messages. In these modern times, every business needs a website. When you need a website for your voice acting business, there's only one place to go. Like the name says, voiceactorwebsites.com. Their experience in this niche webmaster market gives them the ability to quickly and easily get you from concept to live online in a much shorter time. When you contact voiceactorwebsites.com, their team of experts and designers really get to know you and what your needs are. They work with you to highlight what you do. Then they create an easily navigable website for your potential clients to get the big picture of who you are and how your voice is the one for them. Plus, voiceactorwebsites.com has other great resources like their practice script library and other resources to help your voiceover career flourish. Don't try it yourself. Go with the pros. Voiceactorwebsites.com, where your VO website shouldn't be a pain in the you-know-what. How many times has this happened to you? You're listening to the radio when this commercial comes on. Not unlike this one, and this guy starts talking. Not unlike myself. Or maybe it's a woman that starts talking. Not unlike myself. And you think to yourself, geez, I could do that. Well, mister, well, missy, you just got one step closer to realizing your dream as a voiceover artist. Because now there's Global Voice Acting Academy. All the tools and straight-from-the-hip, honest information you need to get on a fast track to doing this commercial yourself. Well, not this one exactly. Classes, private coaching, webinars, home studio setup, marketing and branding help, members-only benefits like workouts, rate and negotiation advice, practice scripts, and more. All without the kind of hype you're listening to right now. Go ahead, take our jobs from us. We dare you. Speak for yourself, buddy. I like what I do. And you will, too, when you're learning your craft at Global Voice Acting Academy. Find us at globalvoiceacademy.com. Because you like to have fun. Hey, Paul, 
Did you know Voice123, the largest online marketplace for voice actors, just celebrated its 20th year anniversary? Whoa, really? That's amazing. Doesn't really surprise me, though. I've used Voice123 since the beginning of my career. I remember way back in my first year where I booked a job as a hypnotist. I actually got to say, you are getting very sleepy on a radio ad. The whole thing was super easy. They even paid me right away for the audition and said that was all they needed. I've been a member of Voice123 for years as well. I've always enjoyed their upfront policies, ability to contact clients directly, and their commitment to the voiceover industry. Totally. CEO Rolf Veldman has appeared on the show before, and in every interaction I've had with him and the company, I've felt a sense of trust, like they really care. Well, if you want a great place to find your VO niche and find yourself as a voice actor, visit voice123.com for more information. Now, VO Meter listeners can also get 15% off premium tier memberships. For more information, visit our website and click on the Click Here to Save 15% banner on our sponsors page. Voice123, speak for yourself. Walgreens, because it's flu season, and you live in a place with doorknobs and handrails and, you know, people. We tried booking a vacation rental on one of those other websites. They don't always tell you everything. The stars take it to the red carpet. We are back live from the red carpet. California leads the way for change in America, and so does Kamala Harris. Rated M for Mature. Claire Redfield. And who exactly are you? So, yeah, what hashtag should I use to describe a grown man in a tuxedo wrestling a goat? Prior to 1933, many of them belonged to a variety of political parties that were now outlawed in Germany. This is the story of how Q got curly. Quinn was crazy about curls. Curly fries, curly straws, curly-haired dogs. Hey, Jay Michael here. Thanks for listening to the VO Meter Podcast. It's one of my favorites. If you're looking for a great demo like the ones you just heard, check out jmcdemos.com for more information. Hi, everybody. Thanks for joining us for the interview portion. Our guest today is Queen Noveen. She's a multifaceted actor who's currently best known for bringing a range of characters to life through the power of her voice. She's widely recognized as the voice of E-Network and has announced the People's Choice Awards and the Screen Actors Guild Awards. The characters she creates can be heard across action video games like Redfall and the BAFTA award-winning game Red Dead Redemption 2, and animated children's series including Rainbow High and LOL Surprise House of Surprises. Her voiceover work also extends into documentaries, books, and commercials, and she's appeared in TV, film, and theater productions. When Naveen isn't acting or volunteering, Naveen loves all things Disney, plus painting, baking, and spending time with her loved ones and pets. Ladies and gents, please join us in welcoming the lovely, the talented, the passionate, Queen Noveen. How you doing, Queen? <laughs> Hi, thank you guys for having me so much. What a lovely introduction. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> so our pleasure. It's great to have you. Thank you. Yeah, thanks for having me. So you have quite a quite an extensive background and... Uh... We want to know, how did it all start? Where did, you, where did you get started in the business, and what was sort of the impetus to, to get you started at such, a, at such a young age? Well, I was originally born in Connecticut, and you know when your parents kind of try you in different things to see what you like? Um, they actually got me started in a children's theater program, and one of the plays that I did there was called The Little Clown Who Forgot How to Laugh. And at the end of the show, my parents said I ran up to them and I was like, oh, my God, I want to do this again. I want to do this again. And they were like, oh, great. She wants to be in show business. OK, we'll support. <laughs> so they were like, OK, this is awesome. So um, as you stated before, I went to college um, at AMDA. Performing Arts College, and I majored in musical theater and dance there. And uh, they have two campuses. So I did, started in New York and finished in LA. And after I graduated, I did some theater work and short films to kind of build my resume. And I was like, all right, I'll start taking voiceover classes. I'll see what this is all about. And I took it with the amazing, amazing Jeff Howell. Shout out to him. Oh, I love Jeff. Love Jeff. Love Jeff. Yeah. And um, since then, I've signed with an agent, Atlas Talent Agency, and they've been awesome. Been with wow. them for about six, seven years now and been booking things across the board I never even imagined as a child. And um, the acting bug kind of just bit me when I was younger, and that kind of moved over to in front of the mic, and I've really been enjoying it since. Excellent. Well, we were just talking about how young you were when you started this. Are there any pros and cons you'd like to share about being a child actor? 
it definitely can be overwhelming when you're young. You don't really understand fully what's going on. It's kind of just like you do what you're kind of told and um, you know you're having fun. But definitely when you get older, you kind of realize what you really want to do. And when it becomes too much, that's when you can kind of uh, pull back. So I feel like being a child actor, you don't fully understand it as an adult. It's kind of just something maybe your parents threw you into and it's kind of making money. But um, I feel like that's kind of the downfalls of it and being sucked into the Hollywood craziness and industry and all the everything that it encompasses. Um, but I think once you get into it, when you're much older, you kind of know the ins and outs of it and what you want to do. Absolutely, because it's such a healthy and forgiving experience, right? Exactly. <laughs> we love it for the children. <laughs> well, Sean doesn't have any kids, but I have three, and I've—I don't—I wouldn't say I've pushed them all into doing it, but uh, there's definitely two of them are more into it than the other one, and I've mm. definitely sort of pulled back. I remember my one son, who's now 14. All he cared about was the money. He, I would give him an audition, and he'd say, well, how much am I getting paid? Mm. <laughs> and he didn't even want to do the audition unless it was worth his, his time and his oh mind. My God. At least he <laughs> At least he's thinking his about his finances yeah, ahead of time. He's already a prima donna. But I can, see, I can definitely <laughs> see the pros and cons of of, uh, of doing it. But I think just to be honest with yourself, and if, if they're enjoying it, let them do it. And if not, then don't is exactly. really how I approach mm-hmm. it. Mm-hmm. Yep. You can just see your son like, I only want brown M&Ms, Dad. <laughs> What is this blue nonsense? Yeah, it wasn't far off, actually, from that. Oh, my That's gosh. That's amazing. So we talked so, about some of the different genres you've worked in. Um, what would you say are the ones that you primary fo- primarily focus on now? Uh, I would say kid-oriented um, type of work. Um, I'm a huge Disney fan, so anything and everything Disney. And the projects that I book primarily in animation have been kid-oriented. So I've done Lego Friends Girls on a Mission, which kind of targets the younger girls audience, so like 8, 9, 10 years old. And I've also voiced some characters on Rainbow High and LOL Surprise and Mermaids, which is a little bit older than that. And I enjoy it so much because I'm still a kid at heart. Like I said, I love, love, love Disney. So um, Disney is something that is my goal. And I'm trying so hard to work with Disney and Pixar on any of their animated films or shows. So goal of mine, putting that out there. But definitely kid-oriented. And then on the other side of that, horror. I get a lot of horror, gory <laughs> stuff. I did a short film that I was just covered in blood. And then I voiced Friday the 13th with a Jason Voorhees is chasing after you and I'm screaming for my life. Hmm. And then there's Redfall coming out in 2023. And it's vampires have taken over the world, have taken over Massachusetts, basically. So two different genres, but I love them both. <laughs> Running the gamut. I mean, like you've got a very youthful sound and you came at this pretty young and kid at yeah, heart, I think- which I can totally relate to. Speaking of, like some of our listeners already know this, but I'm a big nerd and I love my action figures. Mm. And I <laughs> couldn't help but notice that a lot of your characters, I mean, it's all kids content, but mm. like you have toys for, for your Lego friends, for your yeah. LOL surprise and, and some of the other shows you do. Uh, so what's it like being like having these recognizable characters that kids can aspire and identify with? It's so surreal and kind of weird at the same time because it's not something that I was like, oh, I can't wait till one day I can have a toy of me and kids can play with it. It's not what I thought of at all. But then having that actually become a reality is insane. I've voiced two characters in Enchantimals and I'm a mermaid in one of them and like a cheetah cross hybrid human thing in another one. And then I'm a doll from Rainbow High. I voice Naomi Storm and she's like sassy and rude and purple. (laughs) And it's just so crazy. I've had friends who some of them have, have kids now and one of them calls me like the mermaid queen. She's like, oh my God, mom, you know a real mermaid? So her mom got the toy. I signed it for her and sent it off and her day was completely made. And I was like, wow, this is the cool side of voiceover too. <laughs> exactly. That stuff has a positive impact on kids. Yeah. Yeah. I don't have anything that high profile, but I, I use my friends and now I will use you, of course, just to, to, <laughs> to, to, impress my, to impress my kids. I will say, guess who I just interviewed? And hopefully my son will be impressed. <laughs> Naomi Storm. Wow. My favorite oh my 
<laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> so stepping back a bit, what would you say your biggest challenge was getting started? And this may sort of morph into what the biggest challenge was for your parents since you started at such a young age. But if you want to take mm-hmm. it as to once you were done working with Jeff and got on mic, what mm-hmm. would you say were your biggest challenges in VO? I would say my biggest challenge in VO has been having a work-life balance. When I started in voiceover, I was working three part-time jobs. Two were in Hollywood and one was in Anaheim at Disneyland when I was a dancer there um, in the parades. And my days were completely booked all day. I was doing both jobs during the day and then I had to drive to Disneyland at night to do the nighttime show and then still had to come back home and knock out voiceover auditions that were due the very next morning. Wow. And it's like, there's like no time for sleep and I have to find time to eat and time to rest. And it was just a lot. So that's when I actually had to kind of take a step back and be like, I'm burning myself out. I need to fix this. I need to change this. I need to put myself and my mental health first. So I actually let go of one of the jobs and um, that freed up more time for me to kind of just work on me and just breathe and kind of take it easy. And then COVID happened and then that shut down everything. And I was like, okay, well, I wasn't meaning for like the whole two years <laughs> to like take it easy. Of a break. Like- <laughs> yeah, I didn't mean that, but okay. But yeah, definitely maintaining a work-life balance is something to juggle, but um, you definitely got to learn to put yourself first. No, that that's great advice. I mean, I know for myself, like it, it there was a period of like six months to a year where I was working 12 to 16 hour days at two wow. jobs and and just trying to find the time whenever you can and mm-hmm. burnout is real and if yeah. you're not careful like you're not really doing yourself any favors exactly yeah you got to put you first so uh kind of piggybacking off like getting or challenges getting started and, and you sort of talked about some of your aspirational goals but what's your biggest challenge now I would say my biggest challenge now is I have the tendency, which I never thought before, but I can talk too fast, especially when I get excited about things. Mm -hmm. So I'm trying to pace myself right now and take my time. Um, But during one of the voiceover sessions for Redfall, a video game that I said was coming out in 2023, there was a line that I just kept flubbing up on in the same spot with the same words. And I was like, why is this happening? But... Something my voiceover teacher, Jeff Howell, taught me is when you're flubbing up on a line, pause. Now say the line word for word backwards three times and then say the line forwards right away. And when I tell you that worked like a charm, everyone in the recording studio were like blown away. They're like, oh, my gosh, how did you do that? I was like, I don't know. How did I do that? That was so cool because I couldn't even believe I did that. I was like, oh, my gosh, it worked. So it's just learning to slow down, take a breather again. And it's just cool tips and tricks you kind of learn while being in this business. Yeah, I, I call it building a utility belt, you know. Like, yes. I, I mean, uh, it, when you train, you just pick up all these things. and You don't keep everything and mm-hmm. you don't keep everything for everything. But you mm-hmm. just find ways to navigate problems as they come up. And yeah. like working with beginning talent. Like I see this all the time where they have a word or a phrase that they they stumble over or something like that. Yeah. I'm like, you have to nip it in the bud because you've already kind of made this neural path. And if you don't untangle it, you're just going to keep making the same mistake. over Exactly. Yeah. You got to like reboot your mind, refresh it, just kind of like start it over. Just hit reset real quick. Mm -hmm. Mm hmm. Yeah, that, that trick is kind of amazing. You know, I think Jeff did that once at the bar one night. I thought he was just uh, had too much to drink. Maybe he was actually trying to teach. Wait, how, how much do, tip do I owe? <laughs> uh, so oh my gosh! Keep, keeping with the the theme of uh, different challenges, what's something you you haven't challenged yourself yet to do in voiceover, but you'd like to? Something you'd like to try? Well, I would definitely love to do a Target commercial. My first goal was to do a McDonald's commercial, so which I've done. I've accomplished that. Now, Target commercials, every time I see them on TV, I'm like, I want to do that, too. They look so fun, and I want to be a part of it. That's awesome. I want to voice a Target commercial. And then another kind of genre that I would love to do is narration. Now, in my free time, I love watching documentaries and TV shows about the weather and how the earth was formed and 
uh, how rivers came about and astronomy, all that kind of stuff, and just how the earth and everything was made. All those and Discovery Channel love, and Nat Geo yes, shows. Yeah, Discovery Channel, Nat Geo, the Science Channel, Weather Channel, all of that. I just, I watch all of that all the time. And I would love to be one of those people to be able to voice that as well. That would just be full circle moment for me. That's and awesome. then I would probably binge that. <laughs> binge <laughs> well, myself. Send us, send us the link. We'll binge it for you. Yes, uh, here we go. <laughs> but honestly, like, I mean, I, I love your gumption and, and your spunk. And I'm sure that it's just a matter of time, especially with all the kids stuff you do, because it's already kind of instructional. And mm -hmm. it's just it's a small modification to bite that narration bug. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah. I'm definitely looking forward to it. And I would love, love, love to do that. <laughs> awesome. Well, here's hoping. <laughs> and kind of a big question, and it's okay if you're you're not sure, mm -hmm. but where do you see the future of VO? The future of VO hopefully is more diversified. And mm -hmm. what I mean by that is more opportunities and seeing more people of color out there and voicing those characters. And not only them, but also to include all genders that are out there and however people identify themselves and trans people, all of that stuff. The world has been changing and Hollywood can be kind of stingy. And I feel like in order to kind of create projects, because like, I feel like projects out there, you're kind of imitating life. So if you're going to imitate life, you got to imitate it authentically of what's really happening, what the reality of the world is now. Um, and I feel like including people of color and different genders and however people identify themselves, that creates more opportunity and especially for the younger generation to see themselves on TV, to hear themselves on TV and know that I can do that too. It is a possibility too. And I just feel like we just need to include everyone because everyone is on earth. So can't really get away from that. <laughs> Wonderful. Do you feel like it's getting better? I think I've noticed it in castings over the last year. We actually did an episode on on inclusivity and uh, ethnic and sexual orientation diversity. Mm -hmm. So I feel like it's getting better, but um, as a middle-aged white dude, I don't really have the best frame of reference. <laughs> Perception, I mean. Yeah, yeah I feel like it, they're taking notice and some changes are starting to happen. happen. Um, not as quickly as I'd hoped, but we are seeing it sprinkle a little bit here and there. Like now when I watch TV, I see a lot more black folks in commercials on TV than I've ever seen before. Like I would just sit and watch TV for an hour and all the commercials would be black people. I'm like, this is not something I've ever seen before, but I love it. I love seeing different races on there too. So they're picking it up, but I think we just need to keep going and keep pushing and um, keep creating those opportunities for more people to see. Definitely. Right. I mean, th there are some positives. You're seeing a lot more authentic, less stereotypical portrayals. I exactly. Mean, like authenticity in casting. Yep. But like yep. you said, it, it's and some of our guests have talked about this, too. But it's like it's great that we're providing these opportunities to more actors. But until we get more diversity behind the scenes, producing and creating content, it, it's going to be slow progress. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I really feel like it's begins with the projects being created. I feel like the projects being created need to include that di that kind of diversity because we can't really audition for things that aren't available to us like that, to authentically be that. Mm -hmm. And, and yeah. I noticed on, on your website and how you conduct yourself online, you, you really like kind of champion yourself as a representative, as a public figure, and, and don't take that responsibility lightly. Is, is there mm -mm. anything you want to comment on that? Um, I feel like the way that I've come into the industry, especially in voiceover, it has been very lucky for me. I kind of, I took classes with Jeff for a year, immediately got an agent after and been working successfully ever since. And even two years into my career, I became the voice of the E-Network. And when I've spoken to other people in the industry, they're like, oh my gosh, I've been trying my whole career to do that. That's been a dream goal of mine. And I didn't really understand that. And now that I see the gravity of the things that I've booked and um, the characters that I represent, I don't take that lightly. I really want to be an advocate for people of color and younger people out there who are trying to get to that level or at least get that opportunity and to be seen and to be heard and um, anything I can do to kind of just help people out there and give them advice and help them get into this industry. I would love to do it and definitely encourage there to be more opportunity for people like me out there. 
Fantastic. Well, you mentioned helping people that are just getting started. That actually dovetails nicely into our uh, second to last question. <laughs> so a lot of our listeners are new to the industry, at least we think so. <laughs> we don't exactly <laughs> track the metrics that well, honestly, but uh, it used to be the case. It was almost all entirely new people. So what would you recommend wow. to someone who's just getting started as a voice actor? This is going to sound very generic, but you have to, have to take classes. Classes is basically what teaches you the foundation of voiceover, the genres of voiceover, how everything works, how to get an agent, demo, the difference between narrating a book and voicing a live award show. It's completely different. So I feel like classes is very important. I've had a few people um, come to me and say, oh, I can do this voice and I can mimic that voice. And people tell me I have a good voice, so I want to get into voiceover. And they make it feel like it's so easy to get into it. And I know it seems like that from their perspective. But I mean, us voiceover people, there's a lot more work that goes into it, to this than what people see on the other end, on the final product. Definitely take classes. You got to know what you're doing. You can't just go in there and wing it. You don't want to submit a bad audition and put your worst foot forward because those people and those clients you're auditioning for are going to remember that. And in turn, they're not going to trust you for any of their future projects because they're like, OK, they're not prepared. They're not serious about this. Um, and you don't you don't want that. You want to put your best foot forward. Do the work you need to do because this is a tough industry and you don't want to be left behind. Excellent, excellent advice. Thank you. Um, <laughs> I'm hoping because it's like I, I find people really try to shortchange the training and they're like, how can I just start making money? You know, exactly. I'm just like, well, do you deserve to? Mm -hmm. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> this uh, is not easy. <laughs> it sounds like, I don't know, it sounds mean, but it's just like there's an expected level of skill. And, and yeah. if you're not there, then maybe you don't yet. <laughs> exactly. You got to put in the work because everyone else is. If, if it was that easy, everyone would be a voiceover person. Exactly. Everyone. Well, they're trying, but thankfully not. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> right, especially these days. So <laughs> um, made it happen. <laughs> so, Naveen, thank you so much for joining us today. It has been a delight talking with you. And you're obviously very talented and very busy, but how can people <laughs> hire you if they want to work with you? Well, first of all, thank you so much. Um, if you want to hire me, feel free to reach out to my agent, Atlas Talent Agency, or if you want to reach out to me directly, you guys can visit my website at novinecrumby.com or on any social media website. I'm on TikTok, Instagram, Twitter, at novinecrumby, and I would love to hear from you guys. Well, Queen Novine, thanks so much for joining us today, and look forward to talking to you in the future. Sounds great. Thank you guys so much. So welcome back, everybody. Thanks to Queen Novine for joining us. Full disclosure, we we landed her as a guest from her reaching out to us, which almost never happens. But when it does, it's pretty pretty cool because it makes us feel like big shots. <laughs> and I'm so glad I'm so glad her publicist reached out to us because she was just a delight. I loved what she had to say, and I look forward to seeing what she does next. Yeah, she she was wonderful. If you're listening, Novine, it was such a pleasure working with you, and hopefully we can have you back sometime. Yeah, I hope that doesn't sound pedantic, like I'm like I'm annoyed by that. I, I was actually pleasantly surprised. It reminds me of the time Simon Vance reached out to us and said, hey, can I be on your podcast? And you and I were like, what? I know. We were like geeking out. I was like, oh my God, Simon Vance is about to be on the show. Yeah. I mean, back to our imposter syndrome discussion. We have been doing this for almost seven years and we're almost at 90 episodes. So I guess we do have some some cachet, but it still blows my mind every time somebody reaches out to us and wants to talk. And it was like when we had Andia Winslow on a few months ago, and she she was like, oh, yeah, I love your podcast. I totally, it was one of, like, I listened to it religiously when I was learning how to do this. Was like, oh, my God. Like, it's amazing to hear that we have that positive impact on people pursuing this, because that's what we wanted. People like us. They really like us. You really do. Well, I, I don't give a shit about that so much. As long as people <laughs> benefit from what we're talking about. <laughs> yeah, same with me, actually. But it, it's nice to hear that, uh, that we're able to help people, because that was the whole point. Well, it was funny because like you had commented on like, oh my god, the PR person reached out to us, and then our next guest solicited us shortly afterwards. <laughs> I was like, yes, I can get used to this trend. So that wraps up this episode of the VO Meter, measuring your voiceover progress. We're efforting, as they say in the the news biz, to get a few more guests lined up. One I know will be on soon is Michelle Lee. She's a fabulous anime voice actress, and now has transitioned mostly to audiobooks, and she's a local person, so. 
We're going to try to get together in person if we can manage not getting COVID and getting a microphone either into her house or my house. So hopefully that'll be up soon. And then a few more guests in the near future. Nice. I can just see you working a boom mic like a like a Foley artist. From a different room. Yeah. Um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, indeed. Um, that's awesome. So looking forward to that. I mean, anime and audiobooks are two passions of mine. Um, and thank you guys so much for listening to the podcast. Like we just said, it means so much that so many of you find value in in it. And, and we hope we continue to provide entertaining, informative content for you for years to come. But anyways, thanks so much for listening. You'll hear us in the next one. Thanks for listening to this episode of The VO Meter. Follow along? Visit us at www.vometer.com. We'd also love to hear your comments or suggestions for the show. Or if you have a questionable gear purchase, tell us all about it on our Facebook page or on Twitter at the VO Meter. <laughs>